Welcome to the Fear Soul Podcast. I'm Jordan Ray, the Soul Diva, and I'm on a mission for women to love themselves fiercely, live soulfully, transform their trauma and toxic experiences, to reclaim their worth and self-expression. I chat with thought leaders and inspirational women in free-flowing conversations, with a focus on loving yourself, soulful living, emotional well-being, creative expression, and body wisdom, intended to empower you to practice self-love and guide you to your authentic self-expression. Welcome back, Fierce Souls. And today I am joined by Julie Agnew, who I had the privilege of being on her How She Owns It a few weeks ago now. And Julie is a self-worth and wealth coach. Julie, lovely to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. So that's your overall title, the self-worth and wealth. But tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, thank you. So, yes, I think just, I guess, initially the self-worth and wealth. Self-worth is my whole thing. And then my corporate career which I'll give you a little background, I guess, into me is, is in financial services. So it made sense that kind of that then became my niche and title. So I am 43. I'm married to a Scotsman. I've got a crazy fur baby, Mr. Bash, who is loved and adored by everybody on social media. <laughs> he, um, is, he is cute. He's very cute. <laughs> He knows it as well, though. He, he, he actually does. Um, I am a full-time corporate worker and I am a coach um, on the side, I guess you would say. So I have, I guess, kind of a really high-powered job in financial services. It's not the most fun of industries, so I try and inject as much of that into it as I can when, you know, day-to-day with my team. And I think that that's what I've done since leaving school at the age of 16. It's, it's the industry I've always been in. It's really scary to think that in three years, I will have been working for 30 years like that. Just yesterday, I was just like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. So it is something I've always done. And I think probably around seven years ago, whether I was looking for something subconsciously or not I'm not sure but a Facebook post popped up and it was basically a post with regards to buying mascara and so I kind of looked at it and thought oh I could do something like that I've always loved makeup I really enjoy that and I thought well maybe it might inject a little bit of fun into my day given that I've got quite a high pressure job and I just thought I'll just give it a go so I, I did have um, a side hustle, as you would call it, really, where I shared makeup online, people bought it, I kind of got paid, network marketing, really. But then that led me to, I think, wanting to actually help or realizing that I wanted to help people help them grow, which then ultimately led me to coaching. And I decided that at 42 years, 42, can't say that, 42 years of age, I was going to be retrain as a, a life coach. And so that's what we did. And here I am. <laughs> wow. Kind of potted history. Yeah. The self-worth, I know that you have your Flawsome project. Yeah. So how did the self-worth come into it for you? I guess seven years ago when I decided that I was just going to jump into 
launching an online business. I didn't have any experience in that previously. I am the kind of person that says yes before I know really what is involved and then I figure it out (laughs) once I've left. But looking back, my confidence was at an all-time low then. Not particularly because of anything that anybody around me had done or said. I think more so because of my own negative self-talk. I was probably my own worst critic didn't like having my picture taken really I was really good at beating myself up in my own head telling myself all the things that I was really bad at and I really struggled to perhaps acknowledge the stuff that I was good at I found it really difficult to take a compliment without rebuffing it back to the person that had very kindly taken the time to give me that compliment I would just say things like oh no but or you know um no (laughs) and so because of that but then getting into the online industry I then learned about personal development and self-development and mindset went on a whole journey of that and started to I guess see maybe where my beliefs weren't really supporting who I am now or who I wanted to be and so I think really doing the work on myself led me to to a limiting belief that I've carried for most of my life which is I'm not worthy so there's the self-worth I think just because of everything that I've learned and all of the experiences and things that I've been through I just know that so many women men as well but mainly I help women there's so many of us that don't feel worthy of x y and z you know it could be different for each one of us but I think many of us struggle to actually (laughs) stop the self-negative talk and actually almost just shout ourselves out and really acknowledge who we are the powerful women that we are and I now know because of my own experience but I really truly believe that our self-worth is linked to our ability to make money and when we begin to own our self-worth and we bring that up our money-making ability then becomes more magnetic because we're we're able to articulate ourselves better we can beautifully say what we do want what we don't want we are willing to have difficult conversations that maybe we wouldn't have wanted to before we're prepared to say the things that are on our heart rather than keep squashing them down and I think when we own those kinds of things and really be courageous enough to do all of that that's when other people take notice and as cheesy as it sounds you can't expect somebody else to value you and see your worth if you're not doing that yourself because it's just not going to happen so yeah and what stood out for me as you were chatting was going back to those basics of not even being able to receive compliments that if we're in a place where we can't even receive the compliments and I think yes of course it's a generalization but I think as as women we're not always great at it it's so easy to answer oh this old thing or (laughs) whatever those might be but then actually how can we receive anything bigger and if we're trying to seek our value when I was talking to you I was very clear that I went through this period of trying to find my value and my worth in inappropriate relationships yeah but if we're trying to seek our value through other things actually if we can't even receive those compliments even if we could do it that way we're not open to receive which is exactly what you said about money and and wealth and I do think again there is this situation where men (laughs) have been better at being able to 
stand up and say how good they are and put forward all those arguments and you know we're back to when men go for jobs they'll hit less than 50 percent of the criteria and they'll apply and women look at needing to hit at least 80 percent and there's research around this so straight away we're already thinking we're not good enough compared to the men that would apply at the 50 percent point yeah, and I think that I was having this conversation with another lady um, a couple of weeks ago, sort of very similar, and um, she was sort of saying that she doesn't believe that we're born with confidence, that it's something that can be built, which I 100% agree. Confidence is very much like a muscle. The more you flex it and work it, the stronger it becomes. But I wanted to kind of, I guess, offer her a little different perspective because I've thought about this before um I think that we're born with it but I also believe that we build it as well because I think that when we're born you know we come into the world fully willing to learn how to walk talk ride a bike you know all the things that we have to do as kids to actually (laughs) grow and as we're learning to walk and talk, we fall down. As children, we don't say, right, that's it, I've fallen down. I'm not going to get back up now. Just, I can't walk. That's, I'm not going to do that. There's that, um, you know, that will to want to keep getting up and keep trying and keep mastering whatever it is, you know, talking and whatever it is. But then I think as we then move through life from childhood into teenagehood, early adulthood, I feel like that confidence is chipped away at a little by little, maybe over time because of experiences that we have, maybe friendship groups that we're a part of, maybe relationships with family, with school, whatever it may be. It's chipped away at little by little. We then take on perhaps beliefs of other people because we're around them and we kind of absorb them. That becomes our normal. And then at 42 years of age, we wake up and we think, oh, Maybe they weren't my beliefs or maybe, maybe, you know, there's something I can do to actually change this. And then we think, right, actually, now I need to build it again. So does that make sense? No, absolutely. Because we know that, you know, by the age of 16, all of our core beliefs are already in place. So at that point, whatever these core beliefs are, they formed exactly as you've said, through our environments, through the messages we're getting through our family, through society, all of those things. But I was thinking back actually, as you were talking, an example of my own popped into my head. So at six years old, uh, we lived in America and we were traveling around America. So as this six-year-old, I went and I was chatting to this group of ladies, adults, who were hiking And for some random reason, I'd arranged to meet them at the shower block at the campsite to say goodnight. So there's this confident six-year-old who's talked to these adults and has arranged to go and meet them. And yet by the age of about 13 for me, I guess, that confidence had gone. And that person just wasn't there anymore. And exactly as you were saying it, it's that chipping away from what we're around so it's that difference that the schools I went to when I was younger you know we had enthusiastic and inspirational teachers and I'm not yeah. saying all my teachers at secondary school were by any means but there's certainly one or two I can think that weren't mm-hmm. and 
there was a lot more of a critical parent style and alongside bullying and then alongside as well when you get to a teenager having to look right dress right hang out with the right people all these other peer pressures and so anything I had personally when I was younger I would have had a very different set of beliefs at six yeah so the ones that were finally formed by the time I was 16. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And that's what we then walk away with. And I think the flip side to that as well is we forget those positive memories. That example was one I'd forgotten until I was doing a massive piece of story work. And then slowly these positive memories started to reemerge, but I'd had to dig for them. I think that does come back to, I know this, like we've said, it's a generalization, but as women, we're really good at maybe looking for the bad over looking for the good and that's probably another example isn't it the good bits are buried underneath the other stuff so it's almost as if you've got to excavate your whole self to dig 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 crack away crack away crack away and then there's the good stuff underneath isn't it yeah and also of course our brains are made that way as well we've got this particular activating system which looks for more of what we know so if what you know is positive and confidence and supportive and encouragement your brain is going to look for more of that if what you know is more critical and discouragement then your brain's going to look for that it's it's that whole piece isn't it that you go to buy a new car and as soon as you think I'm going to go and buy this new car every other car on the road seems to be that make and model <laughs> well they were it was always that make and model you just never saw it before yeah and it's it's interesting that you say that and I think just thinking about my own sort of journey and experiences I'd said sort of right at the beginning my confidence was really sharp but I don't looking back to probably I I mean late teens 20s forward it wasn't because of anything I don't think that anybody around me had particularly done I think somehow at some point maybe as I'd gone through childhood without realizing it I'd got really good at the self-negative talk and that had become a practice I guess almost that I didn't even realize until probably I discovered self-development personal development and then it's really weird I think the the things the beliefs the practices that we just adopt it's weird it's that that inner critic that we hold and it just becomes or it can become so loud and Mm. it, it can be the dominating voice like you said that somebody can staying with the compliments as an example someone can give you that compliment you could probably get compliments from 10 people but whether it's your own inner critic or one person just giving you that particular look at that one time yeah and that will be what you hold on to not the 10 compliments yeah and it's not really until I heard somebody else sort of explaining compliments in a way that I'd never even considered the exchange between people before and it really shifted my view and perspective around things and helped me actually to go from rebuffing them to actually being able to at least just say thank you because if you're really bad at taking compliments, and by bad, I mean you really struggle to to even say thank you or absorb them, even believe them, which I think it, it, we struggle to believe them, don't we? Probably easier to just say thank you, but not take it in. But the way it was explained to me is you don't know how much courage or how much time or energy it's taken that other person to actually come up with the compliment 
compliment and come and actually say it to your face because that could have been a really big thing they might be shy they might struggle themselves with things so they might have just set out with the sole intention that day of just trying to make make your day better you know that they're trying to do something good so then they come in with the compliment and then straight away bam it's back oh no well, no, I look rubbish or do this old thing, like you said, or no, I don't, or, and you rebuff it back. And that must be so deflating to that person who must have thought, well, yeah, hell, I am never going to give that person a compliment again. Or even worse, maybe they never give anybody a compliment ever again because it was such a big thing to them. And we've just taken them out in one foul swoop with the with the rebuff and the energy exchange of a compliment is it can be really beautiful if you let it be and you at least receive it and just say thank you you don't have to believe it you don't have to say anything else but the very least I think it's our responsibility to at least just say thank you so much so that the other person doesn't feel rubbish because you can't take it that's not their fault as you were talking I had an image that came to me if somebody could walk up and literally hand you a gift as the compliment it's the rebuffing's quite literally that equivalent of knocking it out of the hands and onto the floor yeah rather than receiving it and saying thank you even if it's we've probably all had it when you receive a present you look at it going okay <laughs> but you still say thank you and you still yeah. receive it yeah and you receive it from the thought that somebody's put into it and the mm. fact that they've made the effort and absolutely this is getting back to where we're quite poor until we start having the awareness yeah is thinking of how powerful our words and our thoughts are so the fact like you said somebody's made that effort and the energy exchange and it's then the same with our inner critic we're allowing these words into our space we're allowing these thoughts into our space but if somebody had walked up on the street and said the same things to us we wouldn't be accepting it so lightly (laughs) No, and I think that we wouldn't ever consider speaking to somebody that we love or our best friend in the way that we speak to ourselves in our own heads. We'd never, like, we would just be like, we wouldn't accept anybody else talking to the people that we love like that. So the fact that we can do it to ourselves, it, yeah, there's so many layers to it, isn't there? And it's it's a really broad and just deep and interesting topic to me. It is. One thing I love when I started to think about my inner critic differently and this voice is actually a exercise from self-compassion and it's turning that inner critic into, I guess, a character for want of a better word. That's, That's probably quite a bad way of phrasing it and I'm sure there's somebody out there saying, no, that's not what I want to say. But it was like actually put a person put a character onto your inner critic what does that inner critic look like my inner critic is a purple fluffy pepper army stick (laughs) man I don't know why I have no idea where this came from and of course then we can do other things with the inner critic as well which is change the voice so instead of it being our voice we can turn it up and make it squeaky and make it into a cartoon character and suddenly seeing this purple fluffy pepper army man with this squeaky voice doesn't hold so much strength anymore no and mine is do you remember those little troll dolls yes bright pink like mine's one of those and I've shrunk it down to like the tiny little figure and it's got a really high pitch voice (laughs) it's kind of cute but I laugh at it and so that's the thing (laughs) 
those and that was where Ryan was mine's not mean it's yeah cute and fluffy and and therefore it's something that you almost say thank you to like you don't want even though it might be saying the mean words to you it's not something you necessarily want to be mean to because it's ultimately still part of us but it's that bit where you kind of go okay yes I've heard you thank you for raising it but that's it end of right now I don't need to I'm not gonna take this on I'm not gonna make this part of me I'm just now gonna put you to one side yeah and I've been listening to Gabby Bernstein's super attractor audio in my car I just I absolutely love her and I like her view and her story and what she wants to do in the world and she has this whole thing that you know whatever thoughts you have for example, that are maybe negative or fear-based or limited or the nasty way maybe that you you kind of speak to yourself. It's noticing that, isn't it? But then it, it's very much what you say there and coming from that self-compassion element. And it's, it's thanking the thought. Thank you for revealing to me how I don't want to feel or what I don't want and actually showing me then what I do want. So the negative thought is obviously not what you want, perhaps. So that circumstance or situation is not what you want is thanking it because then in knowing what you don't want then you can see perhaps what you do want how you do want to feel and take the steps towards that instead with you raising that as well about the what you do want I don't know about you and your journey but for me that was one of the hardest things of what do I want who do I want to be because having never been that person yeah but trying to really imagine not only what I would look like from the outside, I guess. I'd look at people and obviously growing up, we had people like Oprah. And as I started to get into my journey, I loved Wayne Dyer's writing oh, okay. as well. And you obviously see them from the outside and the way they're talking and everything they're sharing. But then trying to translate that fully and start to imagine, well, what does that mean for my thoughts and my beliefs? And yeah that internal shift I think that sometimes that gap seems so big to even start to think about that people do feel well I couldn't do that yeah and yet it's taking that first step like you you said the awareness of it having that awareness starting to think about those thoughts thank those thoughts starting to see that you can do things differently that you can receive that compliment for example I know I keep coming back it's just such an easy example yeah and actually how does receiving it that one time feel and now can you receive a second compliment rather than seeing it as this huge road that you've got to get to the other end of yeah and I think teeny tiny steps I think we forget how how much taking teeny tiny steps forward actually add up to huge achievements and I think it just in general we always think unless we're taking a big leap or we're taking a giant step we're not really moving or we're not getting anywhere but sometimes trying to take that big jump or that leap is going to make us less consistent in trying to get to where we want to get to or do what we want to do because really there's less room for error or maybe just accepting that not every day is going to be perfect but if we're still just committed to just taking that little step forward maybe just trying to be a little bit better than we were the day before like that kind of thing gave me a massive mindset shift particularly when it comes to my health because previously you know I've started a diet done well for a couple of days and I've gone off the wagon then I beat myself up because I've gone off the wagon and then I've thought well there's no point now because I'm already off the wagon I might as well not carry on and then it's just that whole cycle 
Whereas I think if you just think, do you know what? I'm not aiming for perfection. I just want to be a bit better than I was the day before. It's so much easier to keep going and keep moving. And over time, I think it adds up to more than if you'd taken a leap that then you maybe don't get to taking the second leap. I was thinking about athletes as you were talking. Yeah. They don't get, a, they don't run their personal best on every training run and potentially every race and if they are somebody that you're seeing they break a personal best at this race and they break a personal best at the next race they're still not doing that on every run in between there will be runs where their time has dropped down and they're reforming and resetting their technique and improving their technique ready to get that time back up and I think we forget that when it comes to this mindset work and this personal work that yes there will be times we take that little step back as you were saying about those baby steps where you tumble and you fall and you but it's then okay get back up how can I do it a little differently because that didn't work or do I just need to try it again and I've learned this time and the other interestingly the other person that came to mind was randomly Gareth Southgate but this thinking that obviously for years he was the person that missed the penalty yeah for absolutely years that was what he was known for and the reputation and there was no avoiding it and yet more recently as the manager he has come back as the manager for a team that actually did amazingly well and so from this very big public failure for want of a better word I don't like the word but it's also meant that he has come back and he can now lead a team, support a team, coach a team and manage a team in such a way that when that team had similar experiences, he was then there and able to support them. Yes, we're all going to fall over. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have those moments of failure. But it's then also how you come back. Yeah, definitely. And I think some of the biggest breakthroughs that we have in life, and that can be in career or in personal life, is when we actually do something and we do fail at it. Because that's how we learn the lesson to ultimately get better. Or as you say, try something differently, which might set us on an even better path. And I think ultimately, when we fail, we can either choose to tap into that and the fear and the darkness and the woe is me and I'm crap and the self-negative talk. Or we get to choose to, to tap into what's the lesson? What are we learning? How can I do it better? How can I show up differently? How can I help somebody else? So I think we we get to choose which path we take. <laughs> and we don't always choose the right one but ultimately it is a choice still I think and I think one of the biggest things that was a real revelation to me and and you said at the beginning my thing is the Flossom project and so I think as a society as well we have this whole thing about being perfect we've got to be perfect at this got to be the perfect person has to be the perfect moment before we're ready to do anything everything has to be perfect so perfectionism or whatever got to be liked by everybody because if I'm not I'm not worthy I'm not a good person I'm rubbish and I think for me the minute that I just chose to take the pressure off by actually thinking like the people that I put on pedestals so it could be my best friend because I think I'm not as pretty as her or I'm not as slim as her or I could never do what he does or I could just never have that life or that career and we put them up here we, we hold them in such high esteem but what we forget is they're human as well that you know basically we're all human <laughs> so if I'm not perfect then ultimately they're a, that means they're not perfect 
And in knowing that they're not perfect, it kind of gave me that whole like, okay, so they've got flaws and they're still doing amazing and they're still living their life. So if they can do that, then, you know, it's okay for me to share those as well because it makes us more relatable. And so, yeah, I just really believe that the more weird, wacky, foul-mouthed, if that's your thing, geeky, crazy, I think we should show that more because it just normalises being human. Absolutely. And I always remember one person that I ended up working with. And actually, I've done a previous podcast with her, Katie. And what really drew me into her is she had chosen to do a video where she was in tears because she was talking about actually the healing process isn't pretty. It is messy. And, you know, she's very open about the fact she wasn't ever going to share that. And then she realised that people probably needed to see it. And I was one of those people. I was one of those people that needed her to be in that space and share that. And I was like, oh, yes, this isn't some person that's just showing me how wonderful their life is. There's somebody here going, here's the raw and the real. And I I love that. And that's how I try to show up. I, I know there's times where I kind of go, I should probably share this bit of me but it just feels a bit too vulnerable maybe in the moment. But yes, absolutely. I think authenticity for everybody. Yeah, and I think with social media the way it is now as well, there are a lot of highlight reels on TikTok, Instagram, whatever platform you're on, you are only really seeing what people want you to see. And quite often it is the highlight reels. It doesn't show you what's really going on sort of behind the scenes. So I think we have to remember that as well when we're looking at that and consuming that. I think it is really important to show you real and your raw and your flawed and and all of that. And I think that there's you can do that and in a way as well where you share from a place of power rather than pain, which then whilst you're sharing the real, you're not in the thick of it. You're not just spilling out everything, you know, in a way that maybe perhaps you shouldn't, like you just said. But I think you can powerfully share it so that then you are going to help other people well that seems a really good place to come back to you and say (laughs) how do you help other people how can people connect with you thank you so I haven't done much one-to-one coaching and I think my strengths actually do lie in a group setting I lead a team at work I've learned a lot because I've gone from not having any skills in that to over the last three years having to learn (laughs) and my journey's been like that but it's been a massive journey and I've like my two worlds kind of come together nicely now and I've I've realized that I enjoy group coaching so I've just created a group program which is called the self-worth academy so I'm opening the doors to that soon but in just in general terms I'm pretty much on most platforms (laughs) so I'm on Facebook if you type in Julie Agnew um I think my page is the self-worth and wealth coach or your links in the show notes I'm on Instagram um I'm on LinkedIn and I've got an email as well I don't really spend much time on TikTok yeah it's not really my thing I don't think but I think I'm most comfortable probably on Facebook and then Instagram is probably like my second home perfect we'll we'll get those links dropped in for people who want to connect and work with you or or just find out more and I just want to say thank you so much I, (laughs) I love chatting with you I never quite know where we're going to go, but I absolutely love chatting with you. (laughs) 
thank you. I really enjoyed, first of all, like it's a privilege for you to invite me to come on. So thank you very much. But the same, I enjoyed our conversation the last time. And I think that went to a place that we weren't expecting, but probably it was needed and people do need to hear different things, don't they? So it's at least we keep it exciting, don't we? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I will also drop the link to our original conversation over on how she owns it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for yet another Fierce Soul conversation. To find out more about me and my work, please see the links in the show notes. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I look forward to you joining me next time.